104.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now... Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome in Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Along with Brandon Hagney, I'm Jason Martin. David Reed taking a week off. Eventually, the three of us will be back in the same place at the same time. Are we sure? I mean, my wedding. <laughs> Maybe not on this show. Maybe not. I feel like we're all going to be around for SummerSlam, which is a week from today, if you can believe that. This is Square Circle Radio. We talk pro wrestling on this show. We're going to, or I guess maybe we don't have, no, yeah, we do. We need to, I have been sort of thinking about us changing the intro and getting some new music. But after the Usos problems, being able to, and I just don't want to use the use of his music anymore right now. I want to suspend them if WWE won't. Yeah, WWE has this like they did it with Jeff Hardy a couple of a couple of months ago when Jeff mm-hmm. Hardy was uh, arrested for DUI or public intoxication, whatever it was in North Carolina. They just sort of whenever something like that happens. And I know this happened last week, but neither you or I were on the show last week, Jason. Um, they just kind of throw up their hands and they say so and so is responsible for their own actions, and then nothing happens unless it's Adderall. At which point you're suspended for thirty days, even if you have a prescription for it, like Roman Reigns did. <clears throat> but whatever. Also, I don't know what else you're supposed to say. Thoughts and prayers to what happened in Dayton and El Paso. Two incidents within thirteen hours that took twenty nine lives. And injured about 50 more. There's nothing more to say. There's nowhere to segue from that. But that is the news in the country. And you are probably waking up to it. And it's terrible. And I don't know what to do about it. So there was good and there was bad on TV this week. For WWE. There was some of the best stuff I've seen all year on TV. And then by far the worst thing I've seen on TV all year. I feel like we're just going to spend an hour on this Roman Reigns thing. It's kind of like all I want to talk about, but I do want to give props to the Randy Orton video, the sit-down interview segment that they recorded that they ran on Tuesday. That might be the best piece of business I've seen Vince's company pull off all year. It was awesome. I want to watch Orton and Kofi. I like this idea behind this. I love the fact that the truth behind the faction, if you will, what happened happened at MSG, and since then they're like best friends. Like Orton and Kofi are about as close as it gets, and I actually feel like Orton has a chance. If anybody could inspire him at this point, it is Kofi Kingston because he wants to do this for his friend, which is kind of amazing. But the the build and the way that they've set this up, this video, which was about three minutes long, of him sitting down talking about this entire deal Kofi owes him a thank you for everything, for injuring Ali and giving him the opportunity that he has now that all Randy Orton had to do to be successful was be Randy Orton while Kofi Kingston had to fake being from Jamaica and all of like this whole thing is just phenomenal. If you did not see this, 
this is well worth going out of your way to see. This is absolutely tremendous. But yeah, let's talk about Roman Reigns because it was that bad. I I need you, if you are a pro wrestling promoter, to at least give off the impression that you care whether or not I think it's real or not, or if I can suspend my disbelief. So SmackDown ends. First off, it ends with Kofi versus AJ in a rewrite of a rewrite. Originally, it was going to be a six-man, and then they changed it again because the entire SmackDown script for the second week in a row got basically axed and rewritten at Vince McMahon's behest yeah, Vince day just, of. He just shows up at like he shows up at the arena at like four thirty, you know, two and a half hours or whatever, maybe three hours before the show's supposed to start. And he basically just looks at the script and says, nah. And the thing is, it's because he doesn't look at it before then. Because he doesn't care about SmackDown until he gets there. I think at least one of these two times on the way to the building, while his driver was driving him and whoever was riding with him, they gave him the script and he saw that and he decided to change everything around. Well, I will say that two weeks ago when this first happened, SmackDown was actually a pretty good show. It, it so was. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I the original script show looked either. like. You know, First no. of all, I actually like some of this show as well, and I don't know what the first script looked like either. I will say, though, that when your writers start working hard on Thursday each week to put together SmackDown, and then you show up on Tuesday and change it all, you want to talk about crushing your soul. Like that job, I wouldn't be. Able, you wouldn't be able to keep that job for very long. If you oh. spent five and a half days grinding to put together a show and one dude who just looks at it and says no and then rewrites the whole thing. Like, why would you even do that job? Like, that would be the worst. But anyway, dirt, like, they advertise Roman Reigns is going to issue his SummerSlam challenge because that's a thing that happens in WWE. If you're a big enough star, you can just kind of name your match. They can do that every once in a while. Technically, Bailey pretty much did that with Ember Moon. Kofi did it. Kofi that's did it. That's why we have Kofi and Randy Orton. That's right. That's exactly right. So they're kind of advertising this all night long. And during the match, you see them show, I guess it's Kayla Braxton, I think is her name. They show her in the back on a split screen during the wrestling match. There's the match going on between AJ and Kofi, U.S. champion and SmackDown champion. And then they show Kayla Braxton looking at notes like she has... Like she's about to turn into Armin Katayan on real sports. Like she's Bryant Gumble and she's prepared for this interview. So it's like, yeah, she's getting all psyched for this interview with Roman Reigns. Like, all she's going to do is, Roman, who are you going to challenge for SummerSlam? Like, I don't think you need notes for that, first of all. And it's weird that they're showing this because it means after the match, they're going to this and it's not going to be in the ring. It's going to be in the back. So the match ends and they quickly go to the back. Like, there's no celebration or anything else. Kofi beats AJ. Good match. Very good match, actually. They go to the back with about 90 seconds left in the show. And for whatever reason, we follow Roman Reigns down a hallway like a Goldberg as if he's entrance. Goldberg. Or as if we're controlling Roman Reigns in like a third-person adventure game on PlayStation 4. Caleb Braxton's like three, 400 feet 
away, and we're following Roman Reigns down a side hallway from behind. Which uh, which SmackDown game was it back in the day? Was it like SmackDown versus Raw? No, it was like maybe Here, Here comes, comes the, the pain. pain. Yeah, that was the one that used like the branching storylines. You just that. like wandered around backstage, and you would run into people. Yeah, and have conversations, and that yes. would lead to matches or storylines for your character or whatever yeah. it was. Like I feel like that's what happened on Tuesday. Uh, do you know how many times cameras have ever followed a person in the back randomly like this? Like I, I feel like we're supposed to believe in this instance that Roman Reigns didn't know when or where this interview was taking place. Uh, yeah, like it was going to be a run-in from Kayla Braxton. Like she hit somebody with a microphone. Well, we see her standing there. Roman just walks there, and we follow him. We walk behind him down this hallway. And then before he gets to Kayla Braxton, a slow-moving forklift approaches and flanks him from the right side and then just kind of pushes him backwards or whatever. Some kind, I don't know if it's a forklift. Whatever kind of bobcat gold weight, whatever it was that was there. And then it like dumps boxes on him. It looks like it crushes him under like 2,000 pounds. And so Roman Reigns is in X formation on the ground, out cold, looks like he's done. And then like 10 seconds later, he's standing up saying he's fine. It missed him completely. I'm like, well, if it missed you completely, then why are you in X formation looking like someone should be drawing you as an animated character with X's in your eyes because you've been knocked silly? Like your King Hippo and Mike Tyson's punch out, and your pants just fell down. And so all of a sudden, Roman Reigns is, I'm fine, I'm fine. Then he kind of treats the cameraman and the medical personnel like jerks, and Caleb Braxton, he just walks away, doesn't make the deal, and he looks all kind of confused, like he's concussed maybe. And then the show ends. That was it. That was, if it. the only way this works is if it turns out to be Rikishi. If it's Rikishi and he did it for The Rock, the then that's going to be all right. Now, there was like at least one piece of speculation that this is going to turn out to be Buddy Murphy. I'm all for them doing something with Buddy Murphy. Him and Roman Reigns is not what I would have foreseen, but that would mean that they're going to do something major with him, at least in a short term. But the match at SummerSlam is Daniel Bryan, which, which we haven't built yet. We haven't built at all. Daniel Bryan hasn't been speaking. He's been, is he going to make an announcement? Is he not going to make an announcement? He's stayed silent. He's walked out. He's dropped the microphones. No longer the tag chance with Roman. With Rowan. We've seen Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan before. We saw it at Fastlane in Memphis years ago. It's a great match. No question about that. But you're just going to drop this on us? Like, what's the angle going to be? You do realize, Vince, you're... Second or third biggest show, I guess Royal Rumble's probably number two. I, I don't know. I've always been a SummerSlam guy, number one, I honestly. Would, I so would say SummerSlam. SummerSlam might be two, two and, and, and Rumble's three. That show is seven days away. Roman Reigns technically doesn't have a match. Daniel Bryan technically doesn't have a match. And you're just going to manufacture this thing on Tuesday in a one-night angle. I know that that wouldn't have necessarily sold any extra subscriptions or anything like that had you announced it a few weeks ago, but this is very WCW-like to not have a feature match booked with all that's left as your go-home television. And it kind of continues the trend. Like David and I talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago when you were uh, getting engaged, which I don't believe on this show we have actually officially congratulated you on that 
Um, but I guess I should say thank you. Sure. Okay. Even though we did it that night. Um, yes, you were there. It just kind of, it's another example of like, I, ever since Roman came back, like he's been lost in the shuffle. It's like, like they've gone out of their way to keep him away. Like they had to, I mean, I, I obviously, they probably didn't expect him for WrestleMania. So when he did come back, they had to sort of shotgun uh, an angle for him for WrestleMania. And they ended up doing the bit with, you know, the match with Drew McIntyre. But since then, he has been lost in the shuffle. Like he had he had the feud with Shane McMahon. And as we know, Shane McMahon's the uh, the top star in the company. So maybe, so maybe that was supposed to get Roman over. But what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, it, they've almost gone out of their way to keep him away from the championship. And the fact that, let's be honest, we, we can talk about Kofi, we can talk about Seth Rollins, we can talk about Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns is still the biggest star in the company. Yes. And the fact that your biggest star in the company does not have a SummerSlam match now seven days before SummerSlam is inexcusable. Especially it's when you already have 13 matches booked. Before that one, this show's going to be a while, folks. This thing's going to be long. This thing's going to be longer than Mania, I think. Why? So that you can tout those extra hours watch the network, I guess? I, I don't know. I, there's nothing good there that like comes a, out of it at all. Is there a quarterly earnings report coming out, like the Tuesday after SummerSlam, so they need to beef up those hours watching the network? They might. Monday was an intriguing show. Tuesday, we're not done talking about the Roman Reigns thing. I could just sit here and talk about for a year because not only was it just completely implausible, I went and saw Hobbs and Shaw, which, of course, you probably read my review at the Big Six blog, and it had, there was a helicopter sequence toward the end, which I termed the single most preposterous thing I've ever seen in movies. It was beautiful. <laughs> I went and saw it on, on You know Friday. what I'm talking about, right? Exactly. I, I saw it on Friday night with my wife, and the entire time. Just dying just, laughing. Just each time. I'm dying laughing. Yeah. Each subsequent truck that shows up in this helicopter scene, I can I can just feel the annoyance from my wife in the seat next to me, just rolling her eyes, like audibly rolling her eyes at the screen. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's absolutely fantastic. But even that was more plausible than this Roman Reigns thing. If you can't at least make the art, the art form is supposed to be helping people suspend their disbelief. Even though we all know it's contrived and that the script there is at the end, you still want to go through the motions or you want to do more than go through the motions. This was the exact opposite. This made me embarrassed for the company that I was watching and it made me embarrassed for my eyes to have to seen it. And it made me embarrassed for Roman Reigns. And it made me embarrassed for Caleb Braxton. And it pretty much just made me embarrassed to be alive. This was bad stuff. Also want to credit Roman Reigns for his acting job in Hobbs and Shaw. Did a great job doing the pre-spear pre scream or like yelp. There's the only line. Literally the only thing that he says in the film. Spoiler alert. He does pick up a couple of tools, though, and look at them like, mm, I don't know if that's the one that's going to get it done. And he like puts the wrench down and picks up something else. There's also a, a story uh, that he told. I, I saw a video on Twitter the other day where apparently, you know, if you've seen the trailer, you know, you know, the final climactic fight scene with Idris Elba's character takes place. You know, they have the like the 
traditional Samoan like clubs instead of guns. Yes. And apparently Roman Reigns like just nailed a cameraman with one of those <laughs> during one take. Like there's a take where he and The Rock both sort of sling a club at a bad guy. And when he slung the club, it just nailed a cameraman. We'll get to our first break. But when your character's name, your top character's catchphrase is believe that, I'm going to need more than what I saw on Tuesday night. Because ain't no way. Ain't- <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, it's time to rock and roll. I'll take this over the queen to mini day. Trish Stratus bringing this back. She will wrestle against Charlotte Flair in her hometown, Toronto. In a match that's going to completely overshadow the two championship matches. Absolutely. And that is exactly where I want to go with this because, boy, oh, boy, if you're Becky Lynch, how do you feel right now? Becky Lynch, who got to work Lacey Evans continuously, basically, since WrestleMania. Who has now the gets championship to- <laughs> and gets to work Natty in Canada, who's going to be overshadowed in that country by the hometown girl, Trish Stratus, an all-time legendary figure. Becky Lynch, who won both women's championships yes. in the first ever women's main event won at the, a WrestleMania. Won the Royal Rumble. Won the Royal Rumble. Now, just three short months later, is wrestling a less famous Canadian in Canada. That's amazing. Like it made it almost made sense for it to be Natty when it was in Canada, right up until you heard about Trish Stratus. And the first time I think it was you that actually tweeted it out before it was official, you said, Oh, so Trish or something like that. And it turned out to be Trish. Well, I mean, Charlotte wasn't exactly subtle with it. Yeah, a couple true. of weeks ago uh, on SmackDown, she had a backstage interview. But it's just like I mean Charlotte has to have a match, but she's got one that's better than any other in terms of just because I don't think anybody's interested in Natty and Becky because I don't think anybody thinks Natty's going to win. Ember and Bailey, I think, will be good. Yeah, it'll be a good match. But at the end of the day, like, Bailey was the one that chose Ember Moon as an opponent for SummerSlam. And then basically a couple of weeks later, Charlotte chooses Trish Stratus. So just kayfabe wise, is Bailey backstage just like, I didn't know Trish Stratus was an option? Yeah, Bailey's like, uh, can I challenge Wendy Richter, please? Like trying to come up with other names. Is Lita available for this thing? Hopefully not. Right. Becky Lynch on Monday. I don't know what they're doing with Becky at this point, but that like footage of Fit Finley just being the trainer and showing Natty how she could try to counter the disarmor and Natty not acting like a heel or anything else, just going through the motions and Becky shows up, calls Fit a traitor under her breath, which doesn't get mentioned on commentary. Kicks him between the between the legs, and then attacks Natty. If they were trying to make her stone cold, that's the most anti, the most non stone cold thing you could possibly see. That was total heel from Becky Lynch. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't good for her character. It wasn't good for what they they have not handled this very well. I, the Becky thing with Seth was enough to turn me off. They had negative chemistry despite the fact that they had an actual relationship. What they did with them on camera was not good at all. Well, Becky Lynch had an interview earlier this week. I can't remember the outlet, but basically she said that um, the one of the things that she did not want to happen when she teamed up with Seth Rollins was a constant reminder that this is Seth Rollins' girlfriend, or that's Becky Lynch's boyfriend. And that's exactly what WWE did. But they tried to do it where it was always 
That's Becky Lynch's boyfriend. Usually wasn't the other way around. The man's there's literally yes. like Seth Rollins literally has a t shirt that yes. says the man's man. Stupid. It's not good for either one of them. What she should have said in that interview was the one thing that I wanted when they decided to make Seth and I a couple on camera is for them not to make Seth and I a couple on camera. Because it made both of them very unlikable. And Seth has not had a good couple of months with the Osprey feud and the defending WWE to the hilt. Yeah, the the whole uh, John Moxley is yes. here to take take food off my family's you table. How, how dumb that is. Like, who told – I hope that somebody told him to say that and that wasn't just his decision to go there. Your money's guaranteed, Seth. Like, they're not taking anything away. They're making money hand over fist for at least the next half decade because of these television contracts. Like, nobody's taking food off anybody's table here. At all. It's a bad look for Seth. And I, I argued at the time, or the, when the Osprey thing happened, I remember saying on this show that the hardcores are the ones that love Seth, and if they turned on him, and some of them have, as a matter of fact, he's still very, very good, and he's going to work a Lesnar, and we can talk about that here, because on Monday, Lesnar showed up and basically killed Seth Rollins, hit him with about 17 F5s, dropped him, on chairs. The thing on Seth the stretcher Rollins. in the back looked nasty. Seth Rollins was like coughing up blood. Blood pellets. They were blood capsules. And it was like less than a week after Vince had said on that investor's call, yeah, he, he AEW's like, blood and guts. and He had criticized AEW for blood and guts. And then like the very next week, his champion is coughing up blood on Raw. Yeah, true. It was blood pellets compared to a chair that wrapped around the back of somebody's head and Dustin Rhodes cutting every artery in his head to bleed in that matchup with Cody, but it still was intriguing nonetheless to go down that pathway. Dustin Rhodes pulling an Eddie Guerrero against JBL. Pretty much. But the pro the only problem I have with the Seth Brock thing is it's still leading to Seth Brock. And I think that the only reason that it's happening the way that it's happening is because they want to erase all doubt that we've already forgotten about the low blow that took place at WrestleMania. He's not going to low blow Brock this time. You can't put it past Vince to keep the title on Brock because it's Brock and it's Vince McMahon, and this is just how this goes. But this whole thing seems to be set up to make it obvious that Seth can't win this so that Seth does win it. At this point, though, like just removing ourselves from the match at SummerSlam, we've seen Brock versus Seth a lot recently. We've seen Brock versus Roman a million times. Like, is there a match that Brock Lesnar can have in 2019 that would get you excited to see Brock Lesnar in a match in 2019? Well, I mean, think about 2020. Just go ahead and look at WrestleMania. Right, right, okay. Look at WrestleMania. Like, what match could he have at WrestleMania that excites you? I, I'm, I'm just... Cormier? The thing is, I'm just looking at, at the WWE roster right now, and there's not anybody that's been built to the point where you can believably, you know see them face off against Brock Lesnar. There's only a select two or three, and those two or three we've already seen Brock kill. Meaning Joe Strowman. Strowman, yeah. I mean, Lashley could maybe be out there, but they'd have to tell a great story for a long time, and Lashley's I don't think they're hurt. capable I mean, of doing that. I guess Drew, but I mean. Maybe. I don't not... think that's going to move the needle, though. 
They've already sort of 50-50 drew a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But you also, I don't know if you saw this, The Rock, obviously, with his uh, media tour for Hobbs and Shaw, he was asked who was, uh, who his pick for the next quote-unquote guy is, and he said Drew McIntyre. Yeah, and look, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But at the same time, like, when you have quite possibly one of the biggest stars in the history of your company saying Drew McIntyre should be the guy, why isn't Drew McIntyre the guy? Yeah. I agree. I mean, he commented about Drew, and Austin commented over the past week or so about Kevin Owens, who opened SmackDown with another promo about Shaming Man who wasn't there and KO basically saying, we're going to have to get through this together, people. Shane's not going to be here tonight, blah, blah, blah. Then Drew came out, and he and Drew had a really nice little match that Kevin Owens won clean. Kevin Owens beat Drew McIntyre clean. If you work Shane McMahon, you've got to be on a streak going in to the match at SummerSlam, especially if you're going to beat Shane McMahon at SummerSlam. Is it possible Shane could win? Sure, just like it's possible Brock could win because it's WWE. This seems to be stacked up to, it appears like they're actually pushing Kevin Owens hard. And so this will be a moment where Kevin Owens beats Shane and maybe we don't see Shane after that for, for, a, for a while at least in the ring, and that was sort of the crux of Kevin Owens' promo is yeah, well, after I beat you, you'll finally realize you have no business in the ring with any of the people that work in this company. And then he'll go away, come back at Royal Rumble or Win somewhere around the number there. number one spot. <laughs> because, of course, Shane McMahon, who I believe would be 50-plus at that point, yep. would need to have a WrestleMania match. Yep. Probably against The Miz. 14 matches on SummerSlam with a couple more to be added this week, potentially. Neither tag title is mentioned yet. So you could certainly see that happening. With the OC now having the champion, that was a good decision to put those on Anderson and Gallows. So that you've got Anderson, Gallows, and AJ all holding titles. I like that. I also like the fact that you have the New Day all holding titles, and then you've got the OC all holding titles. Even though they're technically on opposite shows, I think I don't remember which show these guys are on anymore because the wildcard rules not even talked about it. It's just dudes show up on both of these shows, depending upon where they are in the card, and then you just kind of move on. I, I I'm lost about that. Apparently they're doing another they're gonna try to do another brand split right before the Fox deal. I think Vince has forgotten they've already done a brand split. They're just not paying attention to it at present. Smackville had Whatever last week in Nashville, it had people from both shows on it as well. Well, the uh, I, I was a little confused. I guess only like an hour of that thing was actually just on like the that, network. Just like that house show, the Shield, the for the final Shield house show. It was just two matches, I think, that were aired I, on it. I was in Maryland at the time, yes. so uh, I was kind of just reading up on the results. And like it felt like the the results post that I was reading ended really quickly. I was like, "It's two matches, two right? matches in a backstage promo. Like, what is this?" It was Shinsuke and or no, Shinsuke couldn't work, right? No, Finn couldn't work. That's right. Finn was in the hospital. The fiend must have poisoned his. I will joke about this. We can talk a little bit about the fiend when we come back. But I heard somebody make this joke earlier this week. He said, "You know what?" You have to appreciate Bray Wyatt. You have to love the fact that even though he's got this demonic clown persona, 
He's doing all these inventive things. He still chooses the trademark WWE way of distraction, just like everybody else, where he just appears randomly, distracts the person in the ring, and they win. It's nice that the Fiend's method is exactly like Jinder Mahal's method. Even he can't overcome writing. Exactly. I would think we were just mocking the Roman Reigns segment again right now. But there's actually Goldberg news out there. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 Zone. Brandon Hagney, he's at Hag Haney. I'm Jason Martin. I'm at J. Mart Zone. David Reed is at David Reed Radio. He's also taking the week off. Listen to this kind of makes me wish I had taken this week off. I still get... It's not as much anymore, but I, I, I get a few goosebumps when I hear this. No, it's just what this means. Like, why I mean, we're playing this. I, I didn't see the match against The Undertaker, so I can't I didn't either. I'm not even sure that it happened. In our eyes, it didn't. But Goldberg is going to be a part of SummerSlam. And you got to hand it to Dolph Ziggler. He's really bad at being Dolph Ziggler, but he's good at trying to be bad imitations of other people. This time he's managed to be more successful than the original person at this specific thing. For like three or four weeks now, Dolph Ziggler has invoked Shawn Michaels, who he also attacked with Superkick a couple weeks ago, and Goldberg randomly in all these promos. Matt Riddle did the same thing on Twitter, but Matt Riddle was not a part of SummerSlam. Matt Riddle just got blocked by Goldberg on Twitter. Right. But Dolph Ziggler has been talking about Goldberg and how nobody wants to see him wrestle again. And even though we don't know anything about this, yet officially, we know it's going to happen. It's not going to be the Miz and Dolph. It's going to be Goldberg and Dolph. It kind of was revealed midweek. Meltzer and Wrestling Observer put it out. It almost sounds like Meltzer just kind of stumbled upon this. He did because people called him. People inside WWE said, how did you know it was Goldberg? He's like, I I didn't know. Somebody accused it was Brad Shepard or whatever dude's name is that has no credibility at all. But that guy had basically written a post um, attacking Dave Meltzer uh, for reporting that Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler was happening at SummerSlam, despite the fact that Dave Meltzer had never reported anything of the sort. And because of that post, someone from WWE called Dave Meltzer and said, how did you know this was happening? And that pretty much gave up the ghost, right? That pretty much gave up the ghost. And here, listen, it's been a very busy July for me. I, I took, I flew out of state like three times in the month of July. So my wrestling viewing has not exactly been up to par in the month of July as it was in months previous. One of the things, like I came back after a couple of weeks off of this show, started watching Raw, and had no idea what I was watching with Mike and Maria. Yeah, been better if you'd never known. I, I wish I hadn't because Mike, this Mike and Maria thing, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's it's hideously pro- it's bad. Probably the worst uh, angle they've done in a decade. It's bad, at least. But that's not what we're talking about here. I come back from Maryland last week, and I start reading Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, which, 
listen, again, maybe this has been built well on television. You're telling me it hasn't. It's been Goldberg, built in promos. Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler is the most random WWE <laughs> 2K19 match. Like, if you went to, if you put in WWE 2K19, the one with AJ Styles on the cover right now, put that into your PS4 or Xbox One and go to Exhibition and just hit random and it shows up Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, you're probably hitting the back button and doing it again because no one, not on television, not in real life, not in the virtual video game world wants to see Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. So, remember I told you doing imitations of other people. He's tried to be Shawn Michaels forever. Dolph has. Now he's trying to be Chris Jericho from WCW right before he left when he was trying to get a Goldberg feud to happen by just mentioning him and cutting promos about Greenberg over and over again on Nitro, and Goldberg refused to work him, and they had that fight where Jericho took him down in the back. Well, Ziggler started invoking Goldberg, and they're actually going to do Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler. And this thing's going to go like 12 seconds. This might be shorter than Rusev and Randy Orton from SummerSlam a couple of years ago. Can Goldberg just spear Dolph and Dolph just spear turn him it, out of WWE? Just turn into dust like he just got snapped in Infinity War? Like if this could be the exit plan for Dolph Ziggler, just send him back to Caroline's or whatever it is. <laughs> Comedy store. He still can't cut a promo to save his life. He still screams every word. It's 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 bad. This whole deal is Goldberg wants to cleanse the match that may or may not have taken place earlier this year. Which is I understand. A good idea. He Bill. was concussed. I mean it things happened in that match. Both of them got hurt and they're old. Goldberg's gonna go in there and he's gonna beat Dolph Ziggler in about twenty seconds. It's gonna be Bell. I don't even know if he's going to do that rolling leg lock thing. It might be like bell, spear, jackhammer, done. Does this end, like, is Shawn Michaels involved in this somehow where Shawn Michaels will super kick Dolph and Dolph turns into, into spear. a spear? Could. Like, I'm, I'm on board with two minutes of complete humiliation for Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. I mean, Dolph I will sell about, it, right? I just talked myself into this. Dolph will sell it, right? He'll bump real hard, and he'll he'll go up easy on the jackhammer. He's a super athlete. So, I mean, that'll make it a lot easier on Bill, and that's fine. People, well, look, the Goldberg experience still works. Like, when he came back and was doing those, you know, minute squashes a few times when we saw him, and when he beat Brock, it worked huge. I don't mind seeing the part of Sick Boy from the Flock played by Dolph Ziggler in 2019. Jeez. I don't mind watching Jerry Flynn <laughs> played by Dolph Ziggler. Like, it's fine with me. They could even have other people come out at the same time and just let Goldberg like, maul through like three or four people. I'm good with all of this. But a lot of this is just Goldberg didn't want that to be his last match. Now, I could still see him potentially wrestling again. After this, but if you want to go out, maybe somebody better than Dolph Ziggler is what you're saying. I'm thinking maybe there's a WrestleMania match out there that would involve somebody like Kurt Hawkins or somebody that's a little bit higher up on the totem pole than Dolph Ziggler. Jeez. Hope you were paying attention to that, folks. Hope you're paying attention to what I just tried. Do you smell what I'm cooking? Zach Ryder. Exactly. Just bring back Breezango. 
but yeah, I can imagine if you hadn't been paying attention and hadn't seen those promos where he just randomly talks about Goldberg for a couple of sentences each time. You're like, well, what are you doing? Like, what? What? Oh, this is gonna be a match. You're gonna get killed. Got it. Between that and Mike and Maria, I don't know. So I might, how, you might just flip it right on back off and be done there. We, we talked about this a lot with the Bray Wyatt character and the Firefly Funhouse. How does that get to a ring? Well, we've seen it get to a ring, and it's, you know, it's fine. It's Bray Wyatt. It's Bray Wyatt. Mask so, is cool. Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler dropping the name Goldberg once or twice in a promo. How does that get to Dolph Ziggler versus Goldberg at SummerSlam? Does Dolph Ziggler just show up at SummerSlam, start cutting a promo, sprinkle in the name Goldberg a couple of times, and then Goldberg just so happens to be in Toronto that day? I don't think you need to surprise. I think you need to book that thing and have it be a match on Tuesday and tell people Goldberg, Goldberg is going to be a part of SummerSlam. Like Goldberg is going to show up on Tuesday and say, listen, I know you've been basically building a match with Shawn Michaels or The Miz. Because that's basically what's been happening yes. on television. Yes. I don't like that you used my name once a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to crush you at SummerSlam. And actually, he used it once three weeks in a row in promos. It was, and it made no sense. Like, it just came out of left field. Like, he's just like cutting a promo on The Miz, cutting a promo on The Miz. Goldberg? How bad is Goldberg? Back to The Miz, back to The Miz, back to The Miz. Like, that's how non organic this is. <laughs> It's also weird because Shawn Michaels has been doing the build for this match. Yes. Like, Shawn Michaels is getting physical with Dolph Ziggler in 2019 to build to whatever this is at SummerSlam. But it's all been about promos. Speaking of which, when we come back, and we'll go through the all the matches that are currently there for SummerSlam, all 720 of them. We'll try to run through those. But there's one guy that's really on the cusp of doing something special. But he has to talk, and it's not really working out for WWE. We just kind of maligned the Dolph Ziggler promo. This guy I really wish was better than he is at this skill. We'll tell you. Final segment of the program. Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 Zone. Here is one of the musics that was in my head about our redesigned intro. I enjoy the Ricochet tune. So Ricochet, I get to work on it. Yeah, Ricochet and AJ Styles. Hopefully they give them some real time and let them have the match they're capable of having at SummerSlam. But Ricochet having to talk is a problem because he just can't. He has not ever really had to do it. Prince Puma was under a hood the whole time. Ricochet in New Japan didn't ever talk. He didn't have to talk and all these things. He talks people, in the ring. A lot of people in New Japan don't talk. Yes. It's a different it's a different atmosphere outside of WWE. So Ricochet just hadn't had all that much of an opportunity. But it's not a particular strong suit of his at all. Like he's a likable guy, like when you just see him or whatever, but I wish he was better at talking because, boy, that can hinder him badly in WWE. Like, we've had this discussion a little bit with Aleister Black, and I think Aleister Black has proven that he can talk. He can, but he'd be better if he never spoke. Yeah, I mean, they've had him do way too much talking. Yes. Like, basically, his entire main roster career to this point, since he broke away from Ricochet, has been talking. Which, listen, no one, 
there are very few people in this business that can see, succeed when all they do is talk. Mm-hmm. And now we're finally starting to get Aleister Black in, in matches, and I think now he can take off. But what I'm, tr- I'm trying to draw a parallel here. We've seen that Aleister Black can carry a yes. feud, can carry an angle on, on a microphone. Ricochet just can't do no. that, man. Like it's it's so weird because everything else about Ricochet screams charisma, screams electricity, screams everything that you want in a professional wrestler. Quite frankly, it's just like he spent all of his attribute points on athleticism and look and everything else, and then just completely neglected charisma. Hopefully, he can get better. It may just not be. And the problem is he's kind of a natural baby face. Like if he was a heel, he could be a Heyman guy or he could be somebody like that. You could have somebody talk for him. But as a baby face, you can't. There's not really a valet that you put with him where it makes any sense. So that's going to continue, I would say, to be a problem for Ricochet going forward because he's in the one place where you should be able to talk to get where you need to get. And I was saying to you during the break that the one Brock match that I wouldn't mind seeing in 2019 or 2020 would be him and Matt Riddle just because Matt Riddle's fighting background as well. Riddle just being great period. I would like to see that, but, and I've heard some people make this criticism. I think Alvarez and Brian Alvarez made this criticism over the past couple of weeks. Also that he sees Matt Riddle in Vince McMahon's eyes as Spicoli from fast times at Ridgemont high. And that he would turn into just like basically a stoner and that would be a character created by Vince, and he would be typecast into comedy for his entire career. Can you imagine Matt Riddle being like relegated to comedy? I could see it when you like look at him, but that's all Vince would see. Vince when, would just see his face and see his hair and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I know who this guy is. When you see the way he talks, when you see yes. that he wears flip-flops to the ring, yes. yeah, that's, exa- that's absolutely what would happen. And that would be a disaster to do that to Matt Riddle. So keep him as far away from Vince McMahon as possible. I don't need to see Matt Riddle coming to the ring with a towel over his shoulder and a surfboard under his arms. Like that, that is not a thing that needs to happen. So there are a lot of matches. You've talked about Aleister Black. Sami Zayn answered the challenge for SummerSlam. That ought to be good. It'll be good, but man, are we just getting? Are we trying to get Sami Zayn to quit? Seems like it, doesn't it? Like I don't, I don't know that that man has won a television match since he's been back. He's had some great ones, but he's just putting people over left and right. I mean, at this point, you look at Cesaro. Cesaro, I, this is the best. This is the best comparison that I have heard from one wrestler to another in years. Cesaro is William Regal. Cesaro has become the mechanic, the old guy that has respect no no matter how many times he loses in singles. He's still deemed credible as somebody that you beat because of how much respect everybody has for what he does in the ring. Because he's so rock solid at all times. Regal got beat like a drum. and But every time he's like, ooh, he's facing William Regal. Like, that's what Cesaro has become. Sami Zayn, I don't know what the comparison for him is. Kurt Hawkins, is this the second time we've mentioned that now? Sami Zayn and Aleister Black, all Sami Zayn's going to do for Aleister Black is put Aleister Black over. Two times too many mentioning Kurt Hawkins on this show. 
No, nah, when you mention in Dolph Ziggler, you can talk about Kurt Hawkins. Fair. Fair. So 14 matches right now. Brock and Seth, Kofi and Orton, which I really want to watch. Becky and Natty, which I don't really care about. Bailey and Ember, which will be okay. Charlotte versus Trish, which I don't really know what it'll be. I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, I think that's the only match that I'm super looking forward to. Like I, I Kofi and Orton is another one, but it's been a while since we've seen Trish in, in a in a singles. What has it been? Almost eight, nine years. Twenty. While, yeah. I think it's been 2011. 2011 yeah. was her last singles match in WWE. Now she's appeared. She was in a, in a Royal Rumble. She was in a tag match. You know, she did that bit with Snooki and yeah, I was at that show. Whoever their third partner was, it John Morrison was John Morrison was yes, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that just completely just reminds you WWE has had bad ideas for a long time. Totally derailed me right there. Uh, I think Charlotte's good enough to get a pretty good match out of Tristra. Whatever Tristratus has left. In the tank, I think Charlotte's going to get it out of. Ricochet and AJ ought to be great. Roman Daniel Bryan ought to be really good in the ring. Dolphin Goldberg's going to be glorious. Zayn and Aleister Black will be a great match. Aleister Black will win it clean with the Black Mass. By the way, the Black Mass is one of the best-looking finishers going today. Especially when Cesaro just says, kick me in the face. Exactly. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. If KO loses, he quits. I wonder if everybody else is like, and I wish I had drawn that straw. I'd have put Shane McMahon over and quit. <laughs> Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt in the destruction of Finn Balor because Balor's taking a lot of time off after SummerSlam. So the Fiend is going to win and probably win in a not just convincing way. I think he's probably going to do some pretty dastardly stuff after the match is over as well. The Iconics against Nikki and Alexa, against Mandy and Sonya, against the Kabuki Warriors. By the way, that's all four women's tag teams that WWE currently employs. That's in it? one match. There's yeah. nobody else? No. That's ridiculous. Drew McIntyre, Cedric Alexander. Every match that you've listed outside of the Iconics match, but every match that you've listed so far, and Dolph Ziggler Goldberg, every match other than those two, has potential to be tremendous. Cards, pretty good. Drew Gulak and Oni Lorkin for the Cruiserweight title. You'll find that out on Tuesday on 205 Live. Sure, it'll be on a pre-show. It'll be good, too. You can also potentially expect Nakamura and Ali for the Intercontinental title, which you go ahead and sign me up for that one all you want. And then there's still two tag title bouts that you could have. I have a hard time believing the New Day don't have a match on this show or Anderson and Gallows don't have a match on this show, but you've got probably three bouts going to be on the pre-show. I would go ahead and drop that Iconics match on the pre-show if it's me. You might need to create a third hour of the pre-show where it's just an empty arena and then drop that Iconics match there. Yeah, like no one else needs to be in the And building. then just like quietly have them give the championships up. And then nobody had seen it. So on Tuesday, when the Kabuki Warriors show up with the tag team championships on their shoulders, you're just like, oh, I guess that happened at SummerSlam. I look at it and I'm like, this is Vince McMahon. So Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are going to win the tag titles at SummerSlam. If it keeps if it keeps Alexa Bliss away from the Raw Women's Championship, that's fine. That's fine. Just give her something to do. 
That's going to be a that doesn't long... In, that, it, that doesn't involve coffee or winning the Raw Women's Championship. That's going to be a long, long show. Ought to be a good one, but it's going to be so long. By the time we get to the end of it, you're going to be so exhausted. I'm just going to show up at your apartment and, like, we're going to do this show live, and then I'm going to go straight to your apartment because then the pre-show is going to start. Yeah, basically. Like, we can all get together and watch this show next week. And what do you think goes on last? Got to be Brock and Seth, right? That's the match that opened WrestleMania. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the match that I think, closes I think that you are right, but if you wanted to establish credibility and treat the main event as a main event, you have an opportunity with Kofi to finally give him the top billing on this card. Now, you realize that the fact that Randy Orton's the opponent means something to Vince. It means something to WWE. Basically, Kofi's been working against U.S. champion-level people in the main event. Randy Orton's a bona fide main event player. Whether or not you've been impressed with him over the past couple of years is irrelevant. Randy Orton. That's a, a credible he's match. A, he's a bona fide main event guy who's been treated like a U.S. championship level guy <laughs> the last two years. <laughs> That's true. The guy, the guy only has 13 world championship reigns. Recall that this man had to work Jinder Mahal in multiple months and lose to him. He also had to work Bray Wyatt. At the height of Bray Wyatt's lunacy. This man has not been treated well. I kind of understand why he's checked out a little bit. You kind of understand why he just goes on vacations with his wife and just goofs off on Instagram. Which, by the way, Randy Orton on Instagram is a pretty good follow. Yeah. next Randy Orton on Twitter is a pretty good follow. We didn't talk about the 24-7 title opening Raw on Monday night either. Well, because that that would require Now it's the first ever pregnant champion. That would require us to talk about Mike and Maria, and I don't want. You have to do a chance that. for the DDT championship here, though, because if she's laying on her back, then her her unborn child could technically become well, a twenty four seven champion. Our truth is absolutely going to be her gynecologist at some point. Right? I don't know if you can do that in twenty nineteen. Mm. I don't know. I can't believe we just spent time. That's going to be part of SummerSlam. Also, that's how that's... we close the show. Next week is SummerSlam. We'll probably have an extended show. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll take some phone calls. Maybe we'll have a guest. I don't know. There's like 18 hours of TV that we have to watch this week to get there. And then SummerSlam is going to be.